rolling thunder. Thirty-seven. I'm your host Ryan. Here with the other host Hedge. What is up, everybody? It almost kind of feels weird to be at our usual thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been hitting them with a lot of bonus content, baby. Dude, it, it is a good time to be a League of Legends fan. That's that's all I got to say about it. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, housekeeping. Let's do it. You can listen to us everywhere. Email us at podcastcore at gmail.com. Visit us at podcastcore.com. Remember that's C-O-R for all of our info. Follow us on all the platforms because that helps us get more discoverability. And then leave a like and comment on the one that you use. Uh, But word of mouth has gotten us this far. So tell a friend to return to Monkey by listening (laughs) to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. Oh, I hate you sometimes. (laughs) Today, we're talking about Thunderstruck, we're talking about Volar Bear. Uh, and like longtime listeners already know how excited we are to talk about Volar Bear. We we get too amped when it's Freljord episodes. Like we should be banned Dude, from we, this. Listen, we do a lot of edging here. <laughs> oh my god. And Freljord is one of the places where we edge the most. I'm supposed to be the degenerate on this show. <laughs> All right, let's hop into it. You know we start with the spell as usual. Class. Class. (laughs) Why is this happening? Hey, class is in session, all right? So I need you to stay focused. It is Clash Clash of Giants. (laughs) Clash of Giants. And this is basically a a spell that allows you to cheat out big things. Um, What it does is 16 cost slow spell (laughs) that says... Summon two random titanic followers. I cost one less for each elemental spell or skill you've played this game, and it's a max of 10 for reduction. I have problems with this card. Because <laughs> um, you know me. I love some of like the really big uh, game-ending stuff. Uh, I love the kind of goofy cards. Yeah. Um, and this one is like... Like my problem with this card is the max of ten. Like th- yeah. this has the feeling of, you know, kind of like current state of Magic the Gathering, where they're too afraid to like let a card shine, uh, for like balance reasons. Stop reading my the, mind. I know we've the, done over a hundred hours. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. Stop. <laughs> like this. It's sixteen mana, and the yeah. way you reduce it is by summoning Titan. Okay, and. For the listeners, Titanic mm. units are uh, followers or champions with plus eight health or power. Um, so they have to have, you know, eight or more health or power. All right. Mm. So these are these are 
the big drops, right? Like, so if you're already at a point where you can play your big drop stuff to reduce the cost of this, getting this down to 10 mana, you know, a world or well down to 13 mana to be able to like play it at the end of the game is already kind of an act of Congress. (laughs) Yeah. So let the let the card go to zero. If the game is god long enough to where they've played sixteen Titanic units and haven't <laughs> won the game, I think they're allowed to play this for zero. All right, that's that's my only beef with the card. Okay, okay, understandable. And you know we're here for the flavor, and the flavor of our Volo Bear cards will go directly into the bio and in the story. But it says, "quote with his." Body, I sculpted the mountains. With the fire of his maw, I carved a thousand fjords. And that's from Volobear himself. And he's talking about a character that we'll just get into now, which is Rond, the magma serpent. And yeah, I want to just call him Round because <laughs> if you're at this point, you've probably heard a story where we talked about a character named Yubbers. And (laughs) (laughs) oh, I miss you, (laughs) Evers. To have a magma serpent that's this gargantuan being that's used to carve the lands and to just say his name's round, (laughs) that would be funny to me, but no, it's wrong. (laughs) I mean, it's our show, it is our show. (laughs) That's just correct. I mean, do you want his name to be round? Like, it, and, <laughs> and as I've, I as I have said many times on this show, once we say it, it's canon. <laughs> yeah. But Rond is a seven cost, eight, six, and he simply says, play, summon three sigils of the storm, which we'll talk about in a second. Hold on. Hold your horses. Uh, he's a big dude. And he's more of a spectacle in the sense of the story. And that's what we're going to go jump right to, which says... Though few still worship him, all Fjordians, or Fjordians, sorry, <laughs> know the tale of the Volibear's great battle with Rond. And I'll get to how they reference the Volibear as if it's a natural occurrence, right? Because it sort of is. Um, long before any mortal stepped foot in the frozen north, this earth-shattering struggle formed the ridges and rivers of the tundra itself. Uh, and like I, I'm not gonna dive into it too much right now, but mm-hmm. like they, this is gonna be taking a lot from like Norse mythology. Yep. Um, and I, I can't like when we get to Volibear's actual story, like we we'll dive into it more. Um, so just just know that like this quote is great as if you like have read up a lot on Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the card itself, like uh, this is one of those cards that is like I really do like just because of like the fact that it ramps. Mm-hmm. But it, it's ramping on a body, and not only is it ramping on a body, it's seven mana. So yeah. this it feels fair. This is one of those cards <laughs> that feels fair. There, there's no overwhelm on the card. There's no fury on the card. It, like yeah. it's eight seven vanilla that ramps. So yeah. it's like it's a fair feeling card that also is like you still got to deal with it. It's eight six. <laughs> That's a threat. And so I I love this card. We talk about playing it safe but ramping at seven feels like it feels kind of counterintuitive and almost as a term oh, yeah, we like absolutely. to use in our a term we use in our uh, friend group a lot to talk about an excessive thing is masturbatory <laughs> <laughs> it 
feels that way. And don't worry, I'll come back to that term in a second. Well, yeah, because we edge the most when we're <laughs> doing Freljord stories. <laughs> There's a theme here. Let us work. All right, let us yeah. work. Um, but we didn't break down as far as like why it's ramping because it summons three sigils of the storm. What's the sigil of the storm? So we have a special landmark this episode, which is as Hetch mentioned, and it has a keyword on it, stacking. Now, remember our hey. previous term. Uh, this is not the stacking you're thinking of. We're degenerates. <laughs> but this isn't the term that you're thinking about, about since we've mentioned <laughs> masturbatory. This stacking is more complicated than that. <laughs> So we won't even go into it, okay? It's a one-cost landmark. Like he said, Rond can add to this. And the aura here says, Titanic allies cost one less. Destroy me when you play a, titan a Titanic ally. So it allows you to ramp, but it's finite. And you're using that resource to cast something specific. And then you either have to restack or you just end the game at this point because like we said you're ramping at seven <laughs> yeah uh like and, and you know the fact that this is a landmark like it is going to let you like get some other stuff out um yeah. like earlier than this like there are ways mm -hmm. to get sigils of the storm before turn seven yeah. uh it's just that you know round likes to you know just really just play on that edging card as much as he can yeah. um but I, I this is a mechanic that I like with the fact that it does destroy itself. Like it's yes. not it's not a thing where it's like you're you're going to have to start learning how to play land destruction decks because ramp decks have yep. like cheat codes. Like it's it, this is this is fair and balanced and I think it's a really good way to kind of reintroduce ramp in a relatively healthy way. Uh you know, flashbacks to you know, beta karma and if you yeah. <laughs> like it's not like that it's not like that <laughs> <laughs> and it has a a lore intensive purpose here this is when we talk about well-designed cards that are also unique this is one of the top ones and i'm going to go through the flavor and then explain why in a treacherous mountain pass a sigil hangs suspended burning into the night much blood was offered to reach this point and in signs like these, the Volibear offers both his approval and his desire for more. Dot, dot, dot. Now, uh, so good. Like Hetch mentioned, this sigil that builds as you play it, ultimately resulting in a destructive moment to then be rebuilt again, is something that's going to play into the cycle that is the Volibear. So let's talk about it yeah and <laughs> yeah like uh and it's not just the cycle of the volley bear because yeah. um like oh, we'll just go ahead and like get this part out of the way if you haven't listened to our orn and anivia episodes those are ones that i would highly suggest listening to uh like you know either you can listen to them after this episode uh yeah. because the, they kind of serve as like the three spirits of the frail yard so to say like is you important know too. yes and to say that like the uh like the frail yard cannot exist without them like yeah. uh, without all three of them so the cycle in, of the volibear in essence is the cycle of the frail yard itself um and that is a very important thing to note which is why it's like yeah check those out um and 
if you have listened to those episodes, you already know, one, we are so stoked. We are so excited <laughs> to talk about Volley Bear, all right? Or at least I am. Um, yeah. And then secondly, uh, that this story is going to start way, way back, all right? Just like with Orn and Anivia, we're going way back in the history of the Freljord here, back to essentially the beginnings of the Freljord, where it was just a really frozen wasteland. And at, with the demigods of the Freljord, or essentially the spirits of the Freljord, um, Volibear is arguably the one that embodies Nordic mythology the most. Mm -hmm. So if you know a lot of like the Nordic tales, um, so we're talking about like the old gods of Thor and Odin, Loki, Tyr, um, like Volibear is, his story is going to follow that path the most. And it's not saying that Anivia and Orn don't fit in that blanket. Like easily Anivia would probably be more along the lines of Freya and um and then Orn would be Tyr. Uh and obviously uh Volibear is Thor. If you haven't kept up with Norse mythology or Marvel comics, all of those mean nothing to you. Uh, so <laughs> and specifically for Volibear. Volibear is much more of the spirit of war, but more specifically the spirit of just carnal violence for survival. Yeah. And that makes sense as far as for being in the Freljord, which is a frozen tundra. So survival is always going to be first on the list, and it tends to be in a more violent manner. And that's one of the reasons that Volibear is takes up this, you know, the embodiment of a bear. But this is before he's even taken up the bear mantle, right? Like he is still just kind of more of the spirit of the land itself. And one of the things that was very important to point out here is that at this point of the infancy of the Freljord, he's really tight with Anivia and Orn. Like that's something that we don't really get to dive into too much with the other two stories. Yeah. Uh, but it is worth noting that he has a very high level of respect for both Orn and Anivia. And he is very tight with them. And not only is this important as far as for like, if you know the Orn episode, you know what ends up happening to the three of them. But it's important for how the land itself gets shaped because the again for the fight of survival and war, Volibear kind of takes the forefront of this. But it's not, he's not doing it alone. Uh, Anivia is encouraging him as far as like kind of guiding him where these strikes will happen. Yeah, uh, and Orn is actually arming these armies because the sparse populations of tribal people that worship the three of them are usually going to war. But obviously the ones that Volibear kind of takes most of a liking to are the those of the Ursine tribe. Mm -hmm. um, and if you know your biology, Ursine means bear. <laughs> <laughs> Seems biased. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you sure biased and not based? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so 
um, but even though that like he does take a liking to the Ursine tribe, he's not doing this by himself. Orn yeah. is actively arming these armies, and these are the first tribes that end up building the Freljord. And the story itself is really just straight up Norse mythology because you know, as the quote from uh the from Rond, what well, with round um so <laughs> volibear is the one that ends up kind of crafting what the physical look of the world is in freljord uh and it's not by design it's just violence right like he mm-hmm. rond is a threat to the freljord um and he is the one that is tasked with taking him out and off of his bones the body of rond is the mountain range of the Freljord itself. And for those who ha- like are interested in, with Norse mythology, that's just straight out straight up ripped out of Norse mythology because it is told that the mountains of the Scandinavian uh, mm-hmm. uh peninsula is formed off of the bones of Jormungand. Yep. Uh and Jormungand being the great world eater serpent and it is the gods that uh I, I think it is Thor is the one that actually takes out Jormungand and it, also, it's his decaying body that builds up the land. Yep. Also an under, underrated uh, anime. I suggest you guys check it out. I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but trust me, you probably haven't heard of it. <laughs> it's very good. As you were. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Uh, the worst part is I'm not even surprised. <laughs> um, so... So th- this is the this is how the Freljord is shaped um, with the assistance of the demigods, and it is after the point of like where they really kind of like get things settled down that it's like mm-hmm. they kind of sit back on their laurels because it's like yeah their work is done right like they've protected the Freljord they've shaped it into the land that it is now and this is where they really start to drift apart with their own goals where uh, you know Orn is really just focusing on his craft. Anivia is working to heal the spirit of the land. Volibear is just kind of chilling with, you know, his Ursine tribe. He's like, I like these guys. Yeah. I like fighting. I want to keep doing that. And they, so all the, the spirits kind of drift apart from each other and they don't really reconvene until, uh, and I quote the growing power of the three sisters. And I have in my notes here, wink, wink, nod nod Um, (laughs) (laughs) so it is with the three sisters really coming up as you know rising in power that the demigods get back together because they got to reach a decision of what to do because they the three sisters have now developed enough power to disrupt the natural balance of the frail yard and this is really the first time that they can't truly agree on what to do because anivia and orn like they both kind of want to negotiate with the sisters. Anivia yeah. really taking the forefront of that argument, where Orn is kind of playing the role of Tear here, where he wants to figure out what is the most just thing because he doesn't think that they should just reach an accord with them outright. They've already yeah. done too much damage to the natural balance, and they have to, you know, pay in some way, right? Whereas Volibear is just like, no, like go kill him. Like, let's, this is our land. Let's just go kill them. Yeah. Um. And Orin is like, yeah, I 
kind of agree with Volibear, but just we shouldn't kill them all. Like we should we should punish them, but not just take their lives, right? And this is where like they start to like break apart. And that is what leads up to the fight between Orn and Volibear. Because again, Orn doesn't believe that they should just outright kill the sisters, but he doesn't believe that he should get off scot-free. And yeah. a part of this is because he doesn't trust that Volibear's mind is in the right state because he's been chilling with these Ursine bros too much. Yeah, I, one thing to keep in mind is they... It's their view on their existence as demigods, right? They're not ultimate gods, ultimate beings. And Bully Bear wants to become that, right? Like, that's what he wants control over the land. He wants to control the beings he sees as less than. Whereas Orn and Nivea are willing to exist, but exist while the world naturally takes its own shape, and the beings on it develop that shape themselves. Uh, you can think of it of, of a more progressive uh, approach to something where Volibear definitely ha wants to conserve what he knows, and that will be what this world will be. I mean, even if you look at Celestials and the amount of power they have when we talk about Targon, they don't interfere, right? They, they're they powerful and they can. We see what happens when they do, but they <laughs> like to watch, even in the peaks of Targon, let the humans, let the inhabitants develop their world and live their lives and just kind of watch and see how things go and we'll take a bit and, of worshiping here and there yeah the the celestials is actually a really good call out because we the, when they get involved it tends to be not a small thing yeah. um like listen to our pantheon and kale episode um <laughs> Those like, episodes. <laughs> yeah they all are uh, listen to all of our episodes that's our, go, that's our episode one get back there uh, um, <laughs> you get back there <laughs> but no that that is very this very well said is because volibear does just want the control Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the big things that comes out of the fight between uh, Orin and Volibear, we're not going to dive into it in this episode because we did our deep dive on that in the Orin episode. Mm -hmm. um, so after the fight, Volibear is pissed. So he's like, you know what? I'm done with Anivia and Orin. And he rips off his armor that Orin made for him and for like a lot of the Ursine tribesmen. And he realizes once he's ripped off the armor, hey, I kind of feel better. Um, so as Orn was actually kind of, again, like they, these are Orn and Anivia wanted to maintain the balance of, of like the land itself. So to maintain yeah. that balance, they got to keep the crazy, <laughs> the crazy guy with the nukes in check. Yep. So, uh, so it's like, that was a nice little nod there, but he does go out and confront the three sisters in battle. Uh, with the Ursine tribe, and he does achieve victory. Um, so with this victory, he is able to chase off the forces of the Three Sisters, and he's able to land a very uh, a heavily wounding blow, which blinds one of the sisters. <gasps> wink, wink, nod, nod. Uh, Wait, dude, that is an insensitive. How yeah. dare you? <laughs> You're right. That was insensitive. All right. I won't... I'll take it back and just tell you, go listen to the Lissandra episode. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, and for Volibear, you know, he's like, I, I've achieved victory. This is exactly what I wanted. Everything's looking, everything's going up for Millhouse, right? And yeah. he hasn't realized at this point that he may have won the battle, but he lost the war. And that war being that 
no one's really worshiping the old gods anymore uh, because it is at this point that all the people of the Freljord end up turning to worshiping the three sisters. And this is where we get to see worship of the tribes like following Lysandra, Avarosa, um, and oh God, I'm blanking on the other one. Save me. Uh, but the, uh, Sejuani's tribe, right? Um, yeah, Sejuani's tribe. And I'm I blanking the name, on the, the name of that sister. Oh no. Go listen to the Sejuani it. episode and then get in the, you know, like reach out to us in the comments and tell us how dumb we are. Yeah. Uh, so the, um, like now that they're worshiping, <laughs> yeah, now that they're worshiping the, uh, the sisters, you know, they're moving away from the wild state of the Freljord. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing a lot lot more moving from away from nomadic tribes into small villages and towns. We're moving away from hunting and, and living off the land in a more natural way to domestication of animals and farming. Mm -hmm. And all of this ends up taking away power from the original demigods. But the one that suffers the most is Volibear because Volibear was the one trying to hoard it all for the gods themselves. So he's the one that ends up hurting the most. And that is what kind of leads us into the present day of the Freljord, because the Freljord for the most part has become a more hospitable land, but there are, there are tribes that are trying to return to the old ways. And we see that with tribes like Sejuani, um, like that are following more of a raiding and warlike manner. Mm -hmm. And, we are seeing more tribesmen that are taking up the old shaman practices to try to survive in these wars and raids. And the more that they lean into those old magics, the more power that gods like Volibear are able to grab onto. And that's the current state of the Freljord right now and the end of his bio. Yep. It's, oh, it's so good. Volibear is a... <laughs> he's he's a great representation because you know we talked about the the number three i made a little reference to it and having these three demigods be kind of the main factors in the Freljord, um having the three tribes that develop and also the three sisters and how they kind of move the conflict forward to where we are now um it's it's great to have a quote-unquote villain like Volibear, and to go back to what I referenced when we talked about Sigil of the Storm, that's essentially where we're at, right? He's trying to build that Sigil up so that he no longer has to worry about his counterparts and can do his own thing. Um, because like we know from, I mean, videos that we've gotten, like little shorts, as we know from stories when we talked about Orn, Orn doesn't really want to get involved, right? It, it's almost left to, at this point, in history, the humans to deal with the problem. Like, yeah. Bully Bear's gonna and, keep stacking. <laughs> I mean, hell, or Orn only gets involved when there's craftsmen that show up that's like, look yeah. at this, and he's, and then he's like, oh, that's actually good. You yeah. know what? Yeah. Here, here. Let me, let me give it a little plus, and there you go. On your way. That's literally the only time he gets involved. Where he grows his, followers, his uh, followership, um, his followers organically. He doesn't like yes. to. <laughs> no promotion like, they, for me. They, they follow Orn in spite of his wishes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I, and I, I just always thought, you know, that because I, I like the mention that you have of like the world building and everything, but uh, I, I just assumed that it was because a story is best told in three parts. Oh, this guy. <laughs> 
Wink, too wink, good, nod, nod. Hey. Too <laughs> <laughs> He's too good at this. <laughs> Let's talk about the card. Uh, dude, this card is crazy. I am in love with it. All right, so it is a nine mana 10-10. <laughs> All right. So I, I think I'm I'm safe in assuming that we can give this this big old boy, this chungus, we can give him the dumpy seal of approval. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while, but it feels good. It feels good to pull the seal back out. All right, so he's a 10-10, 4-9 mana on the play. All right, play Relentless Storm three times. Each one targets a different random enemy or the enemy nexus if there are none. And then the level up is the level up on this card. At round end, you've dealt 50 plus damage. <laughs> oh god, I love this card so much. Like oh. Because if you haven't noticed yet, we've we've been saying it a lot. At the point where this stuff is becoming relevant, the game's probably over, right? Um, But but for for what it's worth, you know, the flip side is he becomes an 11-11 with Overwhelm. And now it's on the play or attack. You play Relentless Storm three times, and each one targets a different target if there are none. And other allies have overwhelm all right and the relentless storm is a triggered ability of his that is deal four damage to a unit if it is dead or gone deal two to the enemy nexus instead so you're like if if you got to a point where you needed to have him flip to the end of the game, you're yeah. ending the game. Like period. Yeah. Uh, there's there's no you're not surviving this anymore. Hedge, like, are you that's sure ridiculous. this card doesn't need a quick attack? Um, you know what? It let me check something. Uh, let me do some quick math. Okay, yeah, it says type champion. So yes, it does need quick attack. So I do feel like we could at best only give this a four out of five because of that missing quick attack. No, this does not need quick attack. Are you kidding me? Tin tin. Uh, but, oh man. Yeah, but of course, like you know, we can't. We're not going to be just talking about only the card. We got flavor, baby. All right. Mm-hmm. So on the front side, we have a direct quote from Volibear. Kneel to me, mortal, and I may spare you. Your power is feeble, but perhaps worthy enough to serve mine. Kneel or be swept from the earth. Um, which is very on brand. And then we get to the <laughs> flip side. And it's another direct direct quote from Volibear. And would like I like before you listen to this quote, pause it real quick and just open the full card art. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. And that is the image that you've got for this quote. You dare to insult me with a challenge? Puny girl from lands far away. I am the heart of the tundra. I am the storm. And to you I promise a forgettable death. Oh and no. That's like once you reveal dude. who she is, that the Calling her forgettable <laughs> is the one thing he should have said. <laughs> like, dude, like, okay, so this is a direct quote, all right? And if, like, for our loyal listeners, uh, because we recorded something just before this, this is a quote directly to Neela. And mm-hmm. the biggest threat that you could give to Neela isn't death. 
it is being forgotten uh, because Neela won't get out of bed unless it's a, something that's going to be written in song. <laughs> so good. It, it, it's great to finally have – it's so much of Runeterra's lore, and as we jump around from champions to champions, it may frustrate you all. But ultimately, we leave gaps so that we can fill them in because it's it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. So knowing that Neela finally gets this fight where when we talked about Neela in her episode, listen to that, we talk about how she wants to get there. So we'll give you that. You got to wait a bit, though. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And I mean, and like we, we talked about it a lot as far as like, you know, our desires to like follow that journey on a, an MMO yeah. format, because I, I would still play the absolute crap out of a side story of trekking from one end of Valoran to the other yeah. so that Neela can fight Volibear. Right. And, um, you know, like we, uh, because this is the spirit of this episode, we've been edging you this whole time about that fight <laughs> of Volibear and Neela. It's all an edge. <laughs> it's all edging, baby. Um, and like we, so now we, like this is a reveal for you, the listener, where it's like, yeah, no, she she gets there, all yeah. right. And uh, like we're we're just super stoked to really be diving more into this because these are the stories that uh, like that we get excited about. And we're, I'm just so grateful that we have like the, you know, like a game like Runeterra that helped bring more of this to life so that we could, you know, dive into it even more because I, I know I wanted more when I was first reading it. So it's yeah. nice to get more. And one of the crazy things is, you know, looking at the art, which is very well done as always, she's there alone. And we know that in Runeterra, they gave her a crew. So that even opens up more doors of, oh, fuck. <laughs> we know what she's willing to sacrifice to get what she wants. Yeah. I, and that's a real thing, right? It's like, did she, did she have to make sacrifices mm -hmm. to get what she wants? Or were those just casualties along the way? And what, what caused the casualties? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at that art... I wouldn't be a surprise if all the bear was a cause of the casualties, yeah, yeah. but, but there's, it's a long way from the serpent isles to the Froyord. So there, there's a lot that could have happened in between. And that's why it's, you know, I'll say it again. I'll play that mini quest. I, like <laughs> I won't even you like, it's too big to be a mini quest. It's gotta be a full quest. Bet. Let me play it. Let me play <laughs> it. Riot. <laughs> And we'll leave it there. It's been a, you know, it's been a lengthy one. Um, and that, you know, I, I'm not going to, we're not going to stop making masturbation references. Okay. We're not going <laughs> to, we're going to keep doing this as long as we can. And that's what she said. And thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll be back soon <laughs> with the next episode. Oh, God. All right. Get the ear bleach and take care, everybody. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.